Hey, my name's Emma. Hey, my name's Maddie. And you're listening to The Pilot's Pandemic. Got gut issues? Because Emma and I sure do. I have an issue with high sugar foods and anything with added preservatives, and Emma has a whole ass gluten intolerance. So we struggle with finding tasty treats, but thank the heavens for Abby Nola because it has been a lifesaver when we want a sweet treat fix without all the gut bombs that high gluten foods like cookies and cakes give us. Abby Nola has a chocolate granola that is made with lupini beans, so it's gluten-free and only has one gram of sugar, leaving our sweet tooth satisfied and our tummies feeling perfectly fine. You guys, you can head over to abby-foods.com or the Instagram account at abby-foods-co for your granola fix turned tasty treat fix. You'll also find all kinds of recipes to try out, so you'll get never get bored with Abinola. Use code PILOTSPANDEMIC for 15% off your order of Abinola. Hey, y'all. Welcome back to this week's episode of the Pilots Pandemic Podcast. You're here with your host, Emma, and our lovely co-host, Maddie. Hello, everyone. And this week we are joined with a special guest, Mary McCarty. Hi, Mary. Thank you for joining us. Hi there. Thanks for having me. So Mary has a cool story to share with us, uh, but you are also a pilot as well as a CFI. So just wanted to give you a little bit of a background. Um, But yeah, thank you for thank you for joining us. Um, I'm excited to get into it today. As everyone listening always knows, at the top of the show, we always want to ask our guests, like, how did your aviation journey begin? What inspired you? If something inspired you, if it was a person who inspired you, um, what got those gears turning? Uh, So being younger, I just always loved anytime we'd go on vacation, fly somewhere. I love the airport. I love being in the plane, taking off, landing. Um, I was always fascinated by it. Um, but my real inspiration is definitely my grandpa. He flew C-130s for the Air Force in Vietnam. Um, and I actually, after earning my private pilot's license in 2013, when I was still in high school, he went back and renewed all of his ratings so that we could fly together. Um, so he's the most precious person ever. (laughs) Um, that's got to take the cake for like one of the sweetest things I have ever heard in my entire life. Um, yes, he's an angel. Wow. Oh, he's the best. So yeah, I would, I went on to earn my, um, instrument commercial multi-engine flight instructor certs during my time at college. Um, and then I would go home in the summer and we'd, me and my grandpa would shoot approaches and cruise around Um, yeah I just gotta say it's gotta be like a real treat to fly with somebody who's like flown in the military especially like somewhere like Vietnam that's just that's part of that like golden age of aviation even though Vietnam was awful but it's just that's such a crazy time in aviation and so to build that experience with him and he has all those memories I just can't even imagine like the stories and just all the cool stuff that you get to talk to him about oh yeah he's he's got some crazy stories and I think as he gets older he tells us more and more of them and we're 
always like astounded. By yeah. It. Uh, he's, he's like one of the smartest, nicest people I know. Um, well, I'm glad yeah. that he passed on that passion of aviation to you and then absolutely. And now is getting to fly with you. Um, so what was one of like your favorite memories you've made along the way in your aviation career? And then one of the toughest memories or struggles that you've faced? Mm, I think some of my favorite memories were during my time in college. I was part of a, um, a flying club and it was made up of you know college students and faculty. And I think even their spouses could join as well. And um, while I was there, I was the treasurer for several years. And so um, as the club grew, we were able to purchase three new planes during the time I was there. New to us, not brand new, obviously. But um, I got to be involved in ferrying all of those back to the college. So one came from Arizona, one came from New York, one came from Arkansas. And it was like one of the first times since getting my uh all my certs that I was like actually going and doing something with them so that was just yeah like one of my favorite moments I got to see some really cool terrain for the first time um uh, yeah just really good group of people fun experience um as far as toughest (laughs) I would have to say just the instrument written and studying for it. Um, I'm definitely a learn by doing kind of person. So Mm -hmm. just seeing things on paper and not actually practicing them before I got to, it was like very difficult for me to grasp. And there were a lot of like late night studying that I was just getting super frustrated and then was like freaking out before taking my written. Cause I'm like, do I really know this? Oh, we, yeah, we got uh, it done. <laughs> <laughs> I think Emma is probably the only person that I know that said her instrument rating was easy. Um, yeah, that's <laughs> not awesome. easy, like, <laughs> <laughs> not easy, just like for me. I don't know if it's because it was, I kind of did what a little bit what you're talking about. Like, I did all the stuff for my written during my PPL before I ever flew and like did it real time. So when I went oh, wow. to do my written, I was like, bruh. <laughs> nothing is making sense the math is not mathing but when I did my instrument rating I flew every single day and like we did a ground lesson and then flew ground lesson and then flew so it was just like all my learning blocks were like but it, that's a just very unique and I was very lucky to have that experience but definitely not easy but I loved my instrument I will say I loved my instrument rating yeah, it feels yeah. like, yeah, it would click faster if you get to actually go out and practice it right away. Yeah, yeah. I think you doing it every day was definitely the way to go because it. For I'm sure. like, Mary, I'm just like, I need to um, see it and then do it. And I can't so much like just do it on paper and know it. Like it definitely am someone who has to do it myself. Same here. So, I'm not looking forward to my IR, IFR training at all. <laughs> You just gotta, that's one thing I I will say, as much as I love like 61 and just taking your time, I benefited a lot from flying like every single day of the week during that. And I feel like, again, like I would not have enjoyed my, um, my instrument rating the way that I did if I wouldn't have done that. I also think I was blessed to have an instructor that wanted to put a lot of actual 
um, IFR time in my logbook instead of simulated. So mm. that was, that was a very cool experience, like being able to do all that actual IFR. And, um, I was just blessed that I had an instructor that always made it a lot of fun. So that helps a lot too. <laughs> yeah. The real life applications, the fun part. Yes, yes, yes. But so wanted to talk to you and we met, I wanted to mention this, we actually connected through our Instagram DMs and I'm so happy that you reached out to us and wanted to share your story, but you wanted to talk to us about um, your SI, the SI pathway that you've had to go down and what was required um, of you. So what was the defining moment that kind of brought you into the SI pathway and needing to get a special issuance? Yes. So when I reached out over Instagram, it was, I think, the day that everyone kind of saw the um, the FAA lift the like ban on Wellbutrin, and they had recent made, recently made more progress with um, treating adjustment disorder and making that not um, you know, a deciding factor in ruling out someone being able to hold a medical, um, which I have experience with because in the, uh, in September of 2019, I stopped flying. Um, I grounded myself because I had a friend that had suddenly and very tragically passed away. Um, on top of feeling a lot of burnout while I was instructing, I was doing a lot of just like very repetitive pattern work. Um, and I was just getting, you know, burnout, stressed out. So I, it was kind of an easy decision to stop flying because I had, I always want to provide, you know, 110% of my focus and my energy toward my students and knowing that in that situation, I couldn't give that. It was kind of a no brainer to stop and reassess. So, um, after that, I decided to find a therapist. Um, and initially I was like, let's just start with talk therapy because I know any kind of medication is going to become a problem later down the road when I want to renew my medical again. Um, but my doctor did suggest, um, taking Wellbutrin, so I saw her and took that medication for six months. Um, and after that six months, we both agreed, um, you know, I was feeling better and didn't need the medication anymore. Um, and I truly do believe it did its job. It's a great medication. Um, and it's not, I'm, well, I'm not surprised that the FAA said people couldn't take it just because of the um, history with it in aviation, but I mean, it's, it's not even like an SSRI where you have to like titrate down off of it. You can just stop. Um, but anyway, I'm glad I did all of that because during those six months I had another death in the family. And then around March, 2020, as we all know, is when the, uh, COVID pandemic started and all the shutdowns and lockdowns. So, mm. No regrets there. Yeah. Yeah. Gosh, um, I can't even imagine. It reminds me a lot of like it, what we talk about. You just can never expect th things like that to happen to you. And I'm so sorry for both of your losses, the loss of your friend and the loss of your family member. That is not easy at all. No. And that can happen to anyone at any time. So 
Yes, Emma and I are definitely products of that ourselves, losing our fathers. <laughs> um, and it's not easy. So I totally understand, you know, going to talk therapy and getting help and good on you for recognizing that too, because it's not easy to, to go and get help. Um, but obviously we have talked to you about your story before. So I was kind of wondering, like, uh, after you took the Wellbutrin, did that come up as a factor um, for your medical? Like, when did that come up as an issue, if it did at all? Yeah, so um, because of the COVID pandemic, um, I did wait a while to even begin to re try and re renew my medical. Um, I know a lot of people kind of got furloughed. Um, my flight school that I had been instructing for back home still wasn't flying for, I think, almost a year. I'm not sure. Um, so I did wait a while, but by the time I was ready to begin the renewal process. I did some research first because I've, you know, I've heard so many, you know, anecdotal stories about people having issues with medication and having gone to therapy and getting their medical from the FAA. Um, so I, yeah, just started some research online, um, which was a lot of actually unhopeful responses is what I turned up. Um, but I did see over and over again, the suggestion to find an AME that deals with difficult case medical certificates. Um, so I found one, um, based out of Chicago and I just sent an inquiry with all my information. And he said the first step was to get, um, a letter of eligibility from my therapist, um, and he was great. He listed, you know, make sure the letter includes A, B, C, D. Um, and I, when I went to go get this letter, because it had been so long, my therapist had switched to a new practice at a new location. So I ran into some issues trying to schedule that just because of insurance and the way they need to label everything. Mm -hmm. was a recurring theme in this whole process. But I finally did get in the SEER, um, you know, explained what I'm trying to do because it's, I mean, it's confusing being a pilot that's been in aviation for, well, shoot, like 10 years now. But, you know, like you're, if your background's just in normal medicine, I can't even imagine how confusing all this is. Um, but I did get the letter. Um, went back to the special case AME and we did the physical evaluation and had zero issues. Um, as we talked about before, he complimented, um, my ACL reconstruction surgery. He had had a family member that had the same one and saw it noted on my, um, my form for the medical application. So he's like, oh yes, this is like nice, tight athletic grade ACL repair. And I was like, yeah, it's never given me any issues. Um, everything else went okay. So we submitted everything to the FAA. Um, and once you do that, you really don't physically see anything until you get a letter in the mail. So this was a couple months of, I was told to call on like, a specific day at a specific time and in specific increments. So it was, 
very non-transparent because I I don't know why I was calling, you know, at whatever increments of time would apparently just flag my case as more urgent so that it might be seen faster. Hmm. Um, allegedly, it just felt like, I don't know, you remember trying to get snow days in uh, like elementary school so you'd wear your pajamas inside out, like turn around three times. That's what it felt like. Yeah. Yeah. So I was like, I don't understand why I'm doing this and I don't know if it's actually going to help, but, but finally oh. I did get a letter back <laughs> eventually. Um, and it was kind of a heart drop moment initially because the top of the letter says, Hey, we can't reissue your medical at this time, but it was just a request for more information, not about any of my, you know, mental health issues it was about my knee because the doctor the ame had described it as tight as in like nice and stable some whoever the man behind the curtain is at the faa read that as stiff um so they wanted me to go back to my orthopedic surgeon that had operated in 2012 on my knee and get another letter from them saying that i had full use no pain, no issues. So that was, again, another issue of dealing with insurance because I wasn't actually receiving any treatment and trying to schedule with them because they would ask for a referral and the FAA doesn't do referrals. So it, it was just a nightmare trying to even get this appointment. And then again, explaining to someone else, no, I'm not in any pain. Everything's fine. I need you to write a letter stating that for the FAA for this reason. So it's just crazy every time I would have to do that. What are their, uh, like, or go ahead, Emma. Oh no, I was just going to ask, like, what is the reaction that you get, that you got from that doctor in particular? I imagine he was like, what the hell are you doing here? <laughs> oh my God. He, so this is, yeah, someone I had spent the better part of a year seeing when I was in high school during that recovery process. So I don't, maybe he pretended to remember me, but I was like, hi, yeah, <laughs> it's me again. And he, <laughs> he has a very good sense of humor. So he, he just kind of did like an eyebrow raise and he goes, why don't you tell us how to write this? And we'll just fill in the information and send all your records. And I said, that sounds great. You can't really do anything but laugh. Cause I, it's just like mm-hmm. such a like extra step that you don't necessarily need to take. Yeah. And this is kind of a joke if they're like, hey, help us fill this out, you know? Very much so, because this is something I had reported on the very first medical application I submitted in 2013. So this is, I had listed it every single time I went to get it renewed up until now. I know that and also this scares me too because I'm like I've had my ACL repaired as well (laughs) twice and so I'm like oh my god like is one of my medicals like checkups are they gonna ask me the same thing is this gonna happen to me like it's really difficult with the FAA I'm like why do they ask these things what's the point of of it if you've already held your medical like it just doesn't make sense no Um, and that's very much a very good example of, you know, 
on your application don't give any more detail than, you than they ask for you know be honest and truthful when you're filling it out but don't give you know any graphic description of everything because that yeah. is kind of yeah. But you are required to report like surgery within so many years. That's yeah, not it's ten. I put it on there because yeah. So and I've also had my shoulder repaired too. So I'm like, oh god, like is this going to come back to haunt me? I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, well, like the thing is, I told them I had my tonsils taken out when I was two years old. I'm like, is that going to ever become an issue? <laughs> it might, Emma. They might become. It really might. Like, at the rate that they work, I I do feel like they'd be like, um, so we saw you had your tonsils removed flagged flagged I feel like non-existent tonsils giving you pain yeah Yeah. literally but I almost why it's it kind of makes me think that they just wanted to almost and not like necessarily hold you up but almost keep a pin on you for a while like that's what it feels like to me I just don't understand why there would be any other reason for them to like it it's so aeromedically unsignificant like I makes no sense mate and when you bring it up like that I do I had a feeling when they recently said well Butrin's on the okay to go list Mm -hmm. that maybe while I was going through this process they had started to make those changes yeah other people have taken well Butrin that haven't been able to get their medical back so I I don't know maybe they were delaying it in my favor I think yeah. that you're right about that, like thinking in that way, because we have talked to a guest who took Wellbutrin and was denied. Um, and that's the only reason we could figure out why it was denied is like, it must be because Wellbutrin wasn't approved. Um, but did they require you to do like any other testing to get your medical or was it all based around just the ACL repair? They know. So the only additional information was about the ACL um, because when I first submitted that letter from my therapist, I also had to go back to her original practice that I had seen her at and get all of the records that they ever documented there and send that as well. And of course, none of it's through email. It has to be like faxed or Mm. snail mailed. So this was like a fat stack of papers that I had to figure out how to get to Oklahoma City without emailing it. So yeah. So your your special insurance, like you never had to go and get like a cog screen or other than that initial letter that you had to get from your um therapist, like you didn't have to have a psyche vow done or anything like that. They were just more focused on the surgery that you had. Yeah. For whatever reason, I never had any additional testing done before they issued the special insurance medical. Hmm. That's what you said about what, what we were just talking about. That's the only reason why I could think that they would do that is they knew that they were about to like change it. Um, and they weren't yeah, quite sure. There's yet. other That's... people that haven't had or haven't been able to get theirs in a very similar situation to mine. I don't like what's the deciding factor. It makes it seem arbitrary. Yeah. Yeah. Arbitrary. Very unequal cross it's just like it's all the same set of rules but the way that they teach treat everyone it's it's so case by case it, it's confusing it, like you said transparency is such an issue which kind of leads me to my next question for you sure. what do you think was the most difficult personally dealing with this whole process was it the time frame the cost the transparency 
Oh, the transparency was definitely the worst, as I've been saying. I just, just making those calls just to see if my documents even got to them, because I, I don't, I don't know how fax machines work anymore. <laughs> yeah, I'm a little too young. Never to use them too much. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I wouldn't be surprised just, if they're using dial-up in that office right now. I, Seriously, <laughs> no kidding. So was, yeah, just calling to make sure they even got my paperwork and it was just someone that would pick up the phone maybe some days I called and it would just put me in a line that would never you know get answered so I would um call someone would pick up and I'd ask I'm like can you see that all of my documentations are there and they're like yes we can see it I'm like okay so what are you looking at physically I was so curious um, cause then once they do have all the paperwork, you are just sitting and waiting for a letter in the mail. There's no phone call. Um, they don't give you like a time frame or anything of when to expect it. Nope. My AME would give me his best guess just because he had worked on so many cases, um, that he would usually have a good idea of when things might happen, but it's never... It's never a given. Huh. Um, but other than that, I think the second biggest pain was just like nothing being covered by insurance, having to make all these doctor's appointments to get these letters was just such a pain because it's very unusual. Yeah. Can you um share like if you feel comfortable, like how sure. much you had to pay out of pocket to to do all the testing and what was required? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So between seeing um the two doctors for the eligibility letters, um, the special case AME, um, as well as once I got the special issuance part of the um the requirements that they listed for it were that I saw a um, psychiatrist every six months until 2028. Um, Jesus. Between, yeah, between all of those visits, it's about two grand, give or take, which I know people have spent way more, but, you know, just to get some letters and a doctor's visit, it's a little crazy it's really interesting because you said it all revolved around your ACL but then they're requiring you to see a psychiatrist yeah and that's I did a little more digging recently just with the new developments with Wellbutrin um the psych doctor that I did see most recently as per the requirements of the special issuance uh after looking over all my documentation said not that I was misdiagnosed, but a better diagnosis might have been um, adjustment disorder because my original therapist, uh, her official diagnosis, depressive disorder, single episode. So I think that also is kind of a red flag for the FAA because um, any kind of depressive mood disorder is usually recurring. And that's why I think I have to see um, this psych doctor every six months. Wow. So are you still seeing that doctor? Like currently you're having to go every six months or was that something that you did for like a year or two? This is a new thing that started as soon as I got the 
special issuance. Okay. Okay. See, uh, and now what's crazy to me about that, and we kind of talked about it a little bit in the mm-hmm. pre-podcast, is that after a certain period of time, which I think you're well past it, you've taken it. It's been longer than like five years. You shouldn't have to be on a special issuance anymore. Like you should be able to then just have a regular schmegular um, medical. Right. And my, yeah, mine is a first class and I've been off of the meds since March of 2020. Um, so that's again, only three years, but the special issuance I got just last year, um, is five years from that date that I have to keep Mm. going to the psych doc. So until 2028. Yeah. Jesus Christ. (laughs) What the fuck? I'm sorry, excuse my French, but like, geez, no, Lord. I mean, with the overkill, it's like, it literally feels like a prison sentence. Like, God, I, and every six months, that's just, ooh. And, you know, I, there have been people who have spent more on their special issuance, but as a young adult, I can tell you $200 here and there, it adds up. That's your electricity bill. That's your water bill. That's your Wi-Fi bill. That's your phone bill. That's your insurance bill. That's Mm -hmm. gas each month. That's your groceries. Like it does matter. And it is a significant cost. And to have that burden for the next five years is nuts for a medication that you haven't taken in three years for a situational stress which is so well beyond valid you had two people close to you die like i mean really what the fuck really truly and that i think every time i do go in it's just kind of a check-in like hey how are you doing cool here's another letter from the faa it's i don't know it and I've gotten really, to the point where I finally, I have the special issuance. I can fly with it. Like I, uh, I don't know if it's like fear of retribution, but I am afraid to like ask the FAA of anything else, you know, like I don't want to mess up what I already have. So I'm just like, you don't want to poke the bees nest. No, <laughs> no, I totally get it. It's just like, so interesting to talk to someone who's on a special issuance but not taking any medication and totally fine like fit to fly yeah. every way but and I think that is just you. because of the uh diagnosis yeah but it it doesn't that's the thing about the special issuance I always thought oh like if you have one it's because you're on medication you're actively getting through what you're dealing with and that's not the case like they're like issuing special issuances to people who are fit to fly and like Emma said like it's almost like a prison sentence like you've got to serve your time before they'll give you a regular medical and uh, I, I just think it's totally backwards um but one of the things that I want to touch on is some of the resources that you had utilized to go through the SI process so I know that the one the doctor in Chicago you had said um did they work for like someone specifically um no he mostly deals with a lot of mostly airline uh pilots so people with ATPs um that are maybe dealing with you know like hymns issues um but he he said you know you're not 
an airline pilot, but at the time I was a pilot for hire because I was working as a CFI. So I don't know if there would be a similar resource for, you know, someone who isn't a commercial pilot, but. Is there any other like resources that you utilize besides him? Um, just no, going online to find him in the first place was, uh, definitely a deal breaker. Cause I would have, I would have had nowhere, no idea where to begin without yeah. him. Cause that's, you know, I, I really just wanted to look up, you know, is there some kind of like flow chart or personal experience that tells you like, start here. And if you get this letter back do this or this and there there really isn't a whole lot out there oh but haters will say they do because they do have that one flow chart that exists that is literally the biggest I... crock of bs <laughs> like girl bye like you can't give me this flow chart and say that this is how it's gonna work but then also treat it so case by case like it doesn't mm -hmm. it, again, i know exactly with the transparency. what you're talking about mm-hmm <laughs> Mm -mm. Uh, one thing that I think for you, and it seems like we've talked to a lot of guests now that calling and as annoying as it may sound, it seems like people who are getting a faster response are spending a lot of time on the phone calling. Yes. Um, and it, it was this very, it was from my AME again, lifesaver, uh, had this he printed this paper out and he's like very specific instructions wait and the i'm making these up because i can't remember what it was now but it was like wait two weeks start calling on that monday right at 8 a.m uh wait a day do it the next day on wednesday wait a day do it again on friday and then stop don't call anymore and i'm like uh, okay <laughs> roger that <laughs> and then yeah sometimes if you if you don't call right at 8 a.m then you get stuck in the line and I don't know I really don't get it so that yeah that AME definitely a lifesaver um you know the, a lot of the online forums are all going to be anecdotal because again the FAA does everything very very case by case but um other than that uh friends and family. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. can't That's imagine having gone through this process without, you know, my better half and all my good friends and my parents are just so supportive, you know, when I, you know, I would get really, really down and I'm like this, I'm never getting this medical back. Like I need to start looking at different career options because this is hopeless. So. Yeah, so that's what I wanted to ask you next is like what you know were you obviously were definitely having some of those feelings while you were going down this process yeah yeah I would say most of the time I was cautiously optimistic mm -hmm. um but I think after that first letter for more information I was like okay we're gonna start with you know my almost 10 year old knee surgery. And then it's going to be, um, like a psyche valve and all this stuff and I'm all to be told no later down the road. So I was not completely hopeless about it, but there were times where I kind of, it was more like an acceptance that this truly may not happen. 
Um, but I, there was kind of a relief in that sometimes because I also said, well, I'm going to keep fighting this because, you know, if I give up now, later down the road, I'll always wonder what if. Yeah. Um, and then I was like, even if I get to the point where I do get it back, like I'll be able to help other people in a similar situation navigate this whole process because it is so, so difficult. And that's, you know, I was just like, I have to keep trying. Yeah. For there's a lot of another. There's a lot of peace that comes in knowing that like you've just tried your hardest. And at the end of the day, like as long as you try your hardest, that's it. That's all you had to do. And if things don't necessarily go your way, at least you can sleep at night knowing that you did everything you possibly could. Um, mm -hmm. There's a lot of peace that comes with that. But I can imagine it's like, you know, for every bit of that peace that you get, there's also that like just anguish feeling like that the world is ending. Like, what am I going to do? Like if I get a no, but I'm so glad that you got your yes. And I'm glad that you kept pushing and, you know, you want to help people with this, which is kind of like my last question for you. Is there any advice that you'd like to impart on those who are listening and may be navigating the aeromedical system right now? Um, definitely just keep trying. Even if you get told no, keep appealing. Um, you know, find if you can, if you have, you know, the financial means, find someone who knows the system that can advocate for you. Um, it makes a huge difference. Um, Where can I, our audience like connect with you? Because I know you, you know, you said you want to be a resource and there might be somebody out there listening right now who's going through a similar thing. Um, so yeah. Is there, can we connect with you? Is that something that you're open to? Yes. I, so I have I've taken a little bit of a step back from social media. I don't post a lot, but I am on there. Um, you can look up my name on Facebook and Instagram, Mary McCarty. Um, my Insta handle is <laughs> mer.e. So M with four R's dot E. Yeah. I love it. Thank you Mary, for just like <laughs> being open and sharing your story because it really is like a big thing. Em and I always tell everybody, like, if you want to tell your story, please come on. And we're always grateful for when people reach out. And so we really commend you Absolutely. for that. And uh, that for and people who don't have, you know, maybe they have like a spouse or children or like a house payment, like how are you even supposed to have the time or money to go through this, especially if you don't know where to start. So exactly. Yeah. It's a, it's a big undertaking to go through this process and anyone who comes out on the other side, I know they've weather, weathered a huge storm. So more power to you, like you're a strong ass woman. And I love that. <laughs> um, but we do want to move on to a little bit lighter side with our fun questions. Let's do it. So the first one I have for you is how many alarms does it take you to wake up in the morning? <laughs> um, I am a pretty nocturnal person. I'm a big night owl. Um, but if I'm setting a, an alarm because I have, you know, something to do somewhere to go, I am up on the first one, get real excited. Awesome. I'm, I'm the same way. It it really depends. <laughs> it's a situational thing, but it's never taken me more than two alarms because 
the minute I hear it go off, a lot of the times when I set an alarm to go somewhere, I wake up 10 minutes before it goes off, just automatically full of dread, <laughs> just like <laughs> anxiety gets me up and going it's, in the morning. Yeah, it's the like that. excitement or the yep. anxiety gets you up pretty quick. I hate waking up before my alarm though. It makes me so mad. <laughs> I am opposite. God, I feel like an old person because I don't meet a lot of young people who are like morning people. I'm not a night owl. I need to be in bed by 10 o'clock. <laughs> um, but all of my friends love to stay up past midnight, Emma. Uh, so I typically only have one alarm and I set it. I don't know if you guys know this, but on the iPhone, like there's like a nice alarm that just kind of like is like a melody that wakes you up and like it's not like a blaring alarm and I love that because I wake up like in such a calmer manner than I used More to soothing. but yes I it don't just need my alarm I just watched a TikTok the other day of this little girl and she was seeing I think it's the same exact thing that you're talking about it's like the <laughs> it's just like this little melody and it comes in real nice and smooth it's kind of like an uplifting little beat but the little girl like she had I don't even know what she called it she was like it's the zing dapa do song and it was basically <laughs> it's that alarm that you use Maddie and it was cracking me up I was oh, dying yeah. laughing I was like so Maddie it's almost like part of your dream and then you like come to you're like oh it's so oh, nice wow. to wake up in the morning <laughs> I used to um have to wake up to my husband's four alarms like when we were first together and oh. he was working for a regional and he had to be up at like 3 a.m. He'd have four freaking alarms and he would just fall back asleep every 15 minutes. It would go off. And I've trained him now. Like it's one alarm, but it took <laughs> a long time. I was like, Jesus Christ, like, please don't do this to me because every time that alarm goes up, I'm awake and I can't mm -hmm. fall back asleep like you can. Like I'm mm -hmm. wide awake. Um, So I trained him. He's good now. But it used to be my nightmare when he had to wake up early. I was like, guess I'm waking up early too <laughs> no choice no choice seriously um okay so next question I have for you is what is your coffee order it is if I'm going to like your generic Starbucks yeah the, that matcha green tea latte but you have to get it with soy milk so you have yes. one of those very long <laughs> orders but it is so good I, oh, actually, I get it with a uh, either oat milk or coconut milk only because I have a soy intolerance but yeah that shit mm -hmm. is bomb and that and I, I feel like last time we went to Starbucks together that was your order yep I love um I love the soy but if if I'm going to Starbucks it's either the matcha with soy or you have got to try this if you like chai um if you get the chai latte with soy milk and then do like it like a dirty chai with a shot of espresso it tastes like a snickerdoodle cookie it is the best thing i have ever put in my mouth but i do have to say if i could get like my dream order it's literally just an iced coffee with half and half and like four pumps of lavender syrup sorry not sorry that I sounds so lavender stuff too <laughs> i'm you, on you the lavender train yeah. you love the lavender yeah. oh my god the tj maxx and marshall's down the street from me has been keeping the um the lavender what's it called the triboli or whatever it is i don't know what <laughs> it is no it's, idea that, either. it's like that syrup stuff but they have it there girls so a girl let me just tell you it has changed my mornings <laughs> i'm so excited to get up and put my lavender syrup in there i do not care how much sugar it is 
it is part of my day and it makes me so <laughs> happy. I love the lavender syrup. Yes. Yes. Uh, so I am not a sugar that. person. Like when I drink coffee, it's probably because I'm from Seattle area. I need it nice and black, dark like my soul. Um, <laughs> I can't drink it any other way. Like cream is not my friend. I just had a creamer crisis this morning. Should I tell that story? Yeah. Since we're talking about coffee. Go ahead. Tell your creamer story. So Emma got creamed. <laughs> 30 minutes before our first meeting, I was trying to make a cup of coffee and I realized I had no cream. I had no milk, no half and half, like literally nothing oh, no. to put in my coffee. Worst thing, worst feeling ever. I'm so lucky though. We have like a gas station that's like seriously a quarter of a mile like walking distance from my apartment so I get in my car I cruise up there and I go to the back where they have like all the dairy and like meats and stuff and I open yeah. it up and I see a a bottle of delight caramel macchiato sitting on the very bottom shelf and I'm like holy crap the last bottle of creamer no that way and I turn it around you. it was just for me I turn it around and I'm like it's not expired it hasn't been opened dude let's go so i stand in the line i get to the front of the line and the woman's like uh yeah honey um that's not for sale and i look at her and i'm like i was so confused i was like well it was what do you mean it was in the cooler like i uh like it was right there on the shelf and it said 6.99 i thought that was kind of a crazy price but i'll spend seven dollars on some delight creamer right now she was like sorry baby that's for our um that's for our coffee station and i was like oh darn i'm so sorry so i walk back there i get a little thing of milk and i come back up and i was so frazzled by all of this i'm like laughing the other people in the line are like laughing at me we're kind of carrying <laughs> on not laughing at me in a bad way but like we're like this would happen she bags up my milk. I walk outside. And the minute I get in my car, I look down in my bag and there's my thing of milk and the, the entire, the, the, the delight creamer. <gasps> she put the creamer in the bag and I only paid for, I think I paid $3 for a tiny thing of milk. And she gave me the creamer anyways. He's an angel. An angel. <laughs> so after this, I have to go back up there on my way to the barn and stop in and like tell her that she's actually a freaking queen and that <laughs> again, humanity exists. Oh. <laughs> but yeah, I thought that was such a sweet thing. I, I literally, it's like the kindness of strangers, man, is really a beautiful thing. It almost made me cry. I was like, what a fucking queen. Anyway, no, you guys started telling that story. I was like, I thought it was going to end in disaster, but that was such a nice like twist. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. It do happen. Oh. Okay. So our last question for you, Mary, is what is your go-to breakfast? Um, I am one of those people who doesn't like, I can't eat as soon as I wake up. So a lot of times I'm skipping breakfast, which I know we're not supposed to do, but <laughs> Um, when I do, yeah, <laughs> when I do have it at home, again, another very basic sounding thing that I'm doing for breakfast with my matcha green tea latte, but, um, <laughs> I do avocado toast, but I put tahine on it. Have you guys had tahine? Uh, yes. It's, Ooh. I put that shit on everything. everything? The toast, the popcorn is one of my mm. yes. I love it on fruit. Like I'll put tahini on fruit all the time. So. Like mango, right? 
Yeah, mango. mango. I That's what I I've seen. On my mango the other day. I actually bought, do you like chamoy? I've never had it. Oh, so good. That's what I put on my mango the other day was chamoy. It has like that spicy, sweet. Um, you'll like it. If you like tahini, you'll like chamoy. Starting a grocery list right now. (laughs) I put um for summer, if you haven't tried this already, tahini on watermelon is so good. Like life changing. That sounds fantastic. I just sent my friend um, something with watermelon. I was like watermelon on a stick wrapped in a fruit roll up, um, then soaked in chamoy and then tahini on top of it. God damn. Out of my <laughs> mouth was drooling. I was like, oh my God, I need that now. I'm like yes. bleeding as we speak of it. Seriously. <laughs> what is but- your go-to, Emma? I know you're not a huge breakfast eater, but if you're going to eat breakfast. It's like, you know, the thing about breakfast is just really hard for me in the morning. I wake up and I'm always queasy. It's that extra cortisol that, you know, I've been having night terrors all night. So when I wake up in the morning, I'm ready. That's like me. I'm. That's what it is. Yes. So that's, I swear to God, like, which I've recently speaking of that. And I think it's so funny. I have to mention this. I've realized that if I watch, which I've been binging Vanderpump rules right now, if I watch Vanderpump rules on my computer with my AirPods in at night, I fall asleep immediately and I don't have as bad night terrors. And I'll wake up again around like three, which I normally do to like pee and I'll shut my laptop. I'll put my AirPods in. And when I fall back asleep that second time, here we go. We're going to Doomland. We're going back to the same <laughs> plot the same people. I mean, it's just ridiculous. So my crutch recently has literally been, um, watching TV to fall. Like I need it in my ears. It's something about it. Like helps me not have night terrors, but regardless of night terrors, breakfast, I don't really (laughs) like breakfast. Um, but if I had to eat it, it's definitely going to be like country ham, egg and cheese biscuit. Nice. Bojangles. Bojangles. Yes. (laughs) I love McDonald's breakfast too. Like their breakfast burrito actually is so good. I used to get those before my really early morning flight lessons because it's one of the only things that like I could stomach in the morning before I would fly, but I knew I had to eat something or else I'd get so sick and like air sick and nauseous. Um, So I'd roll through there and spend like three bucks on two um, McDonald's breakfast burritos. I but what about you, Maddie? Breakfast. I'm a breakfast eater. I don't obviously eat like right when I wake up. It takes me like an hour and a half, but I do have to have my breakfast. And so it always includes eggs in some fashion. This morning I made breakfast for me and my husband. So we had like, um, I made potatoes last night. I don't know if you guys have ever done this, but roast your potatoes and mayonnaise so fun. I made a lote potatoes like roasted and they were so good Jesse was like I can't believe how good these taste so I had the leftovers this morning eggs and some banana with peanut butter and honey on it it reminds me of um I had these those little they were like little potatoes and I the only place I've ever had them was in Spain and they would I don't know if they cooked them in mayonnaise but I know for a fact that they would come like in a dish over mayonnaise and then like another sauce like cheesy sauce on it but it was like a very mayonnaise and potato based thing and it would come out warm and like a little like a platter hollandaise type deal yeah i don't even know but it was delicious and i'm literally like 
like I'm having to like swallow all the spit right now thinking of it. So <laughs> the, what the what you're talking about like crispy. That's why I did it. It was like, mm. damn, I'm gonna have to try that. Is. Yeah, and then I got the elote seasoning, which Mary will also like very Hispanic. That's sweet. Yeah, um, the Trader Joe's. Yes, TJ's elote. You <laughs> can doused it in that, and it was so good. Damn, that sounds fantastic i cannot wait to come to your house I know. Hey, you're making me that for my birthday i will make it for you it's so easy to make i'll make it for you that sounds awesome dude that reminds me of that's like a hack if you um when you make uh grilled cheese if instead of using butter on the toast mayonnaise. you use mayonnaise yeah. i've seen that yeah yeah yeah, works really good. I'm a big mayo girl. Like I will dip my fries in mayonnaise. I know that's so gross. It's a German thing, but I absolutely love mayonnaise. No shame in it. Heinz till I die. <laughs> it's very European of you. Yeah. Gross, <laughs> but sorry. It's my truth. Anyways, all right. I think we've indulged enough. I we are gonna wrap this up and let you go, Mary. But thank you so much again. I mean. I really do from the bottom of my heart. It means a lot. Anytime somebody reaches out to us and wants to come on and share their story. I always said in the beginning of this, that that's all I want to do is I just, everyone's story needs to be shared. And I thank you so much for taking the time today to do so. So thank you again, Mary. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Happy to be here. And thanks for what you guys are doing, putting everything out there. Cause that's as soon as people know what's going on, become more aware we can make changes happen, which is already starting to happen so yeah glad to see it all right folks well that is it for this week's episode as always we'll see you next week keep the blue side up and the brown side down bye y'all